Good morning, beloved of the Lord. Did you know you were beloved of the Lord? Ah, good. Well, I was brushing my teeth this morning and just about choked to death. Uh, I was, it was so bizarre. I was, something got caught in my esophagus and I was going like this. And my wife heard the noise and I ran from the room and, and she said, are, are you okay? I said, she said, is the insurance paid up, honey? <laughs> Do you have the, uh, write down the number, save your strength. <laughs> no, she didn't. She's very loving. She loves me. I don't know why, but she loves me. So this is the second part of a series that I began last week. And um, it's about love. It's about love. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. It's, it, when, when I, that question, when, as I read that, you know how sometimes the, there's that rhema of God, where God just speaks directly to you from his word. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. You notice it's not out of law. We're under grace. But we're also under love, aren't we? And, and if we don't do everything that we do out of love, we're making noise. That's what the Word says. We're just making noise. So when you, as we come into this teaching, filter it through that. Amen? In, in 1 John 5, 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and... His commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome because it's out of love. Amen? Love uh, requires risk, doesn't it? If we love, we risk. We always, we always risk. I wanted to read C.S. Lewis has a quote that I, on love that I, I really love. Um, it says this, to love is to all, at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it up carefully round with hobbies, little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe and dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. So our our options are only to love as a Christian. Amen? And this is the love of God that we keep His commands. In Matthew 23, I started out with this last week. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus said that's the first. And that represents Jesus as the Son of God. Our relationship with the Father is perfect through Him. Amen? Because He came to model before us the perfect relationship with the Father. 
He also came as the Son of Man to model before us that horizontal portion of the cross relationship with one another. And so today, this second half is on this horizontal part of the commandments relationship with one another. Last week we talked about the vertical, the, the Son of God, His relationship with the Father was perfect. And He says, be perfect as I am perfect. So as we go into this, it's, it's under the, the uh, covering of the Son of Man. Jesus modeled it exactly right before us. He said in Matthew seven twelve that we should practice the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. If you can do this, you can do all the rest of it. Amen? Because what we want done to us, we will do to others. There's a, a movie that's called The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. And during that movie, um, this, the back, quick backstory story is the two, two children make f- friends on each side of a fence. One is a Jewish um, concentration camp member. The other is a Nazi, the child of a Nazi leader. And as they make friends, the one boy decides to smuggle the Jewish... Uh, the, the, the Nazi boy decides to smuggle himself into the concentration camp so he can be with his friend. The horror of the story is both boys are murdered in a gas chamber. The father, realizing his son is missing, the Nazi uh, SS man realizes his son is missing and to his horror finds that he's murdered his own son. That man understands what Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have them done to, to yourself in perfection. He understands the consequences of not doing that to perfection. So it's crucial that we put all of these things, that these commands that Jesus gives us, through love, through what we would have someone else do to us. And the lack of it is apparent in this world, isn't it, every day? To love one another, in John fifteen twelve through 14, this is my commandment, that you love one another, keywords, as I have loved you. How does Jesus love you? He gave his life, didn't he? He laid down, and greater love has no man than this, and he laid down his life. He's calling us to a greater love. It's not the phileo love, the brotherly love. He's calling us to the agape love, godly love. A, a, a love that is not based on transaction, right? A love that is based solely on the value God places in his creation in each one of us. And he says to you and I that we must love as I have loved you. 
When you go to Jesus and you say, Lord, I've done it again, I'm sorry, I've sinned, please forgive me. He, he goes to us, well, this is the twelfth time and that's your limit. No, he doesn't, does he? How are we supposed to love one another? As he loved us. Seven times seventy, right? We love not just when it's convenient, not when the person is lovable, but regardless. Amen? When we show that kind of love, we say to Jesus, I love you. That's what he's saying. When you show that kind of love, you're saying to Jesus, I love you. Shine for me. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Jesus wants us to shine, but he doesn't want us to just shine in a way that glorifies us. Right? It's important why we do things as much as what we're doing. Because remember, it's about the heart. Last week we talked about having that that heart that is right before God. It's important that when we shine, we do it in such a way as to glorify our Father. See, it's easy to shine for yourself. And a lot of people do that, right? And I think we've all done it at some time, right? But God's saying, no, I want, as my disciples, if you love me, I want you to shine in such a way that you glorify God, the Father. That it brings glory to his name. That it furthers his kingdom. That it furthers his plan. Not your own. So, the heart of that is, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll shine for me. Emphasis on him. In Matthew 5, verse 33, it says that you have heard it said that of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you've sworn. But I say to you, remember he's doing this, He's bringing the law. He says, I come to fulfill the law, but not one bit of it's going to pass away. But I also come to correct misinterpretations, misunderstandings of the law. And therefore he says, but I say to you that don't take an oath at all, for it's the throne of God. And don't take an oath by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you can't make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Now, if you are a person that has uh, integrity issues, right? I, I had this guy... On the island, I was a missionary on the island of Helene, Santa Elena, in Honduras. And we had a clinic. And at, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I hear this. 
yelling, Hey, Joe, Brad Joe. They, they, they call me Brad Joe, you know, Brother Joe. Um, so I go out and I look over the edge, and there's this guy, and he holds up his hand. He's got a, a hole through the center of his hand. He's got a shot through his hand, right? And now this guy is a character, man, I tell you. We'd already treated him because he was a thief, and he kept stealing, and we kept telling him, these people on this island, they don't play. They're going to kill you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you need to accept Jesus into your life because the road you're heading is going straight to hell and to death. Yeah, yeah, Brother Joe, yeah, Brother Joe. So he had been shot through his hand, and he says, oh, no, Brother Joe, it's not like that. You know, I said, what, what did you do now, right? Oh, no, Brother Joe, it's not like that. I swear, I swear, right? Okay, so he knows he has to swear because no one believes the word he says, right? But So I said, well, go ahead and tell me your side of the story, just because I knew it would be interesting. It's all, it always is, right? We get the real story later. So he says, no, I was, this brother, we were there, and, and this man, he, he got angry, and he was going to shoot my friend, and so I'd jump out, right, <laughs> to try to protect my friend. I said, oh, you're the hero. Oh, wow, okay, you know. So he, well, the real story was he got caught again stealing, was going out through the window. The wife had stolen the wife's jewelry. The, the husband had gotten fed up with it and was going to kill him. And the, the wife said, no, don't, don't kill him. Just do something that will make him remember not to do this. So he shot him right through the hand. So don't swear at all, right? We should be such people of integrity that we don't need to swear by anything. That even if we put our name on a contract, it doesn't, that's not what holds us. What holds us is our integrity before God. That, that people know us as people of their word. This is, to me, very critical. I, I often just kind of glazed over the scripture, but as I got further into it, I saw the importance of being people of your word. That we have a people who are watching us out there, church. When we leave here, we don't just hang up our church clothes and put on our business clothes, and now we're the wheeler dealer, right? No. We walk in integrity from the church door to the world, and they, they, they watch, and they see, and they say, well, why should I be a Christian? He doesn't keep his word. Why should I be a Christian? She says one thing and does another. We have a testimony, don't we, as business people. I knew that if I kept my word, it was going to cost me, and it did. If you keep your word, it will cost you real money to do that. You know that. But it's worth it. What is your name worth? Right? What, more importantly, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. This is about relationship with Jesus, isn't it? We're keeping our word, and he's watching too. And it will cost you to keep your word. Is it worth it? To say to Jesus, my yea is yea, my nay is nay. What I mean, I say, 
we are not to respond in the world to our enemies like the world does. This was the most, one of the most radical statements that Jesus ever made, and I'm sure, quite sure it, it, uh, it blew a lot of people away. He says, You have heard it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, the correction, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow, this was um, a completely radical statement by Christ. And he's saying, if you love me, you'll love like this. Because this is how I do it. Right? And thank God he loved his enemies because I was once an enemy of God. Thank God he loves his enemies. Because I, I was on the opposing team here. Thank God he decided to love me when I was unlovable. <laughs> thank God that he sent people to do the same. For brothers and sisters that I had in the States that saw that I was a child of God in waiting. We need to look at people like that, don't we? That's a child of God in waiting. He's brutal. He's mean. But God loves him anyways. That's what he's saying. Even if they hate you, love them. Pray for them. That's our answer is prayer. Jesus blessed them. He, he showed it in the ultimate, hanging on the cross, literally dying from the wounds they'd given him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus says, if you love me, this is the way you'll love. You'll consider everyone someone worthy of my love. Everyone. Wow, that's a challenge. How can we do this? Remember when he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. The very next verses were, but don't worry, I'm sending a comforter. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, who, who teaches, who admonishes us, who reminds us of the word. He's going to be right here with you. Don't fret. Right? Be led of the Spirit. How can we do this? We can't do it in our own strength. How many are doing well? Remember I spoke a while ago on the, on the tongue. How many are doing well with that? <laughs> well, it, the, the Scripture says that it's impossible with men to control the tongue. That's what it says. It says it's actually impossible. But he says to do it. So, therefore, we have to assume that though it's possible with men, it is possible with God. Right? That's what he's saying here as well. Love your enemies. It sounds impossible. But yield to the Holy Spirit and you can do it. Amen? Don't return offenses for offenses. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, don't resist the one who is evil. If one slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. See, this was 
And that, that word is an open hand slap. It's an insult. If someone's insulting you, you don't insult back. You turn the other cheek. Ooh, that's a radical. <laughs> she's, she's like, my cheek. <laughs> turn the other cheek. We don't escalate the situation. Amen? We're not going to be part of escalating the situation. We're going to be part of bringing love into it. And if it's your enemy, see the previous verse, right? Love your enemy. Pray for them. Bless them. It's hard to do in the flesh. In fact, impossible. But in the, in the Spirit, all things are possible. Uh, God can give us grace to do what He's called us to do. He doesn't command... Jesus did this perfectly, didn't He? He modeled it before us, didn't He? Exactly how to do it. So we, don't, we can't say, well, my parents weren't like that. You're, you're born again. You're a child of God. You're in the kingdom of God. Doesn't really matter what your parents were like. They didn't model it before you. Oh well. Jesus did. Amen? He did. And he's our example. The perfect example of that relationship between each other, son of man. He was both the Son of God and the Son of Man. Don't judge other people. Luke six thirty seven says, Judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. In Matthew 7, it adds as well, measure, and you'll be measured. Right? We have, um, I've seen in, uh, you you like acronyms here. There's an acronym for pretty much everything, right? So I I made one. It's SAMOC. SAMOC. That's self-proclaimed ministers of criticism. Right? Self-proclaimed. There is no scriptural basis for that. It's not in the Word. We're not to judge. We're to allow judgment to be from God. Right? And what if we do judge, we get out that measuring tape, and we go up to somebody and we go, you fall short. What the Scripture says is God says, uh, let me see that for a second. Right? And he holds it up. He goes, so do you. Right? Isn't that what he does? So, it's not, we're, whenever we put ourselves in the judgment seat, we become judge. We are now going to be judged. That's what it says. So, that's the hot seat. Don't sit in the hot seat. Do not give holy things to dogs or cast your pearls before swine. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Boy, I approach this verse with some fear and trembling. Um, my understanding of this is that a, a pig does not value a pearl. He's looking for something else. 
So don't waste your time in situations that are not going to prove fruitful for the kingdom. God's wisdom and his kingdom revelation is to be shared with discernment. And I, I think this is a very rare occasion, but apparently the Lord wanted us to address it. So be, you, be discerning of where you share the pearls of God's wisdom to you. Because sometimes, some, some people do not value it, and you'll be torn up, is what he's saying. It's my understanding. As it result, we as we look at uh, these situations of our enemy and those who oppose us and how we react to that, there's also Jesus addresses in his commands forgiveness. In Luke chapter six, thirty-seven, it says, "Forgive, and you will be forgiven." Notice how they're tied together, aren't they? We kind of like to just have that first part, (laughs) Uh, or the second part, be forgiven. But he says, forgive, and you'll be forgiven. I know people that have carried things, unforgiveness, their entire life. The person is now dead and buried. But there's a chain that goes from the grave around their ankle. They can't get free of it. They can only go so far and they hit the end of the chain because they refuse to forgive. They refuse because they perceive that there is no justice on this earth. They should get what they have coming to them. Right? Jesus says, no. Don't worry about that either. There's no cold cases in heaven. He knows who did it, when and where and why. And there will be an answering for everything. Don't be the judge, though. When we say... There's no justice. I have to hold this person or he won't be held accountable. We are hitting the end of our chain. (laughs) We're chained to that. How do you get free? You do his command. You forgive so that you can be forgiven. Remember, when we place ourselves in the judgment seats, we are a judge. We will also be judged. Not an option to forgive. Jesus said it's a commandment to forgive. And if you love me, you'll forgive. Why? So that they'll get away with it? Absolutely not. So that you get free of it. So that you get free. So that you can get healed. So that you can be all that God wants you to be. Because you can't be all God wants you to be if you're chained. Can you? We can't, we've we got to be free. And, and how we get free is through forgiveness. We need help with that too, don't we? I've had to ask Jesus to help me forgive people. 
I, had, uh, I, I couldn't forgive my father. father was an alcoholic. For the longest time, I, I'm sorry to say it, but I hated my father. His alcoholism uh, was very destructive. I had to stand, at, go into my house one morning to step over him as he's in his own vomit to get into my house because he couldn't open the door. It does something to you. I had to forgive him. And now I have forgiven my father. I'm free. I love my father. I understand that he's just like me in need of forgiveness from a Savior who loves him. Amen? And so it's not up to us. We're to resolve our disputes in Matthew chapter 18 through 15 through 17. In the church, can you imagine we have offenses in the church? You heard it here first. We have, yes, we do. We have offenses in the church. But it says in Matthew 18, the perfect three-step plan to unity. Right? We're supposed to be striving for the unity and the bond of peace. And it says, if your brother sins against you, notice it doesn't say just insult you, because if he insults you, just turn the other cheek and keep moving on. But if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. Step one. If he doesn't listen, take two others along with you, that every charge may be established in the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he doesn't listen to them, tell it to the church. Now this is where you get to the eldership. The people want to go from step zero to step three, right? The Bible doesn't say that. It says you go through the steps, right? And it's not over your brother insulted you. You turned the other cheek, right? So this is how we... If he refuses even to listen to the church, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector, which means you love him anyways. <laughs> See, love your enemies. Right. Okay? So we are to end our disputes quickly in Matthew chapter 5. It says, If you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave it there, go and be reconciled to your brother. Right? Why did, he wants us to do this quickly. The reason, again, is the world is watching us. The world is watching how we handle things. You see, they don't want to know how you handle someone loving you and everything's going good. They want to know how you handle when things get a little rough. Right? How do you handle it when somebody offends you? That's what, they, that's what they're looking for. If, they, if you act just like them, they go, well, what, what do I need that for? I can do that myself. But when they see that we're obedient to a greater God who's watching us, now they go, oh, there's something I haven't seen before. Right? So resolve things quickly so that your witness won't be diminished. Right? We don't want to diminish our witness before the Lord by having offenses with each other that go on and on. God's 
also ties this to our own forgiveness, doesn't he? That we don't want to go back before the judge and pay every last penny that we owe. So be quick to get things settled. Amen? In fact, don't, don't, God says, don't come to me with an offering. Just leave it right there. Go straighten this out. Now come back. You're in right standing. Right? Give what people ask of you and give even more than is required. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 40 through 42. And if anyone would sue you and take your clinic, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Wow. Do we give to every single person that begs from us? No, we don't. And, you know, I, I, I preach often among those who are absolutely desolate. I mean, you know, we, uh, I'm talking like they don't have a cent. And I say, you can do this, right? Uh, you don't have a cent. It isn't about money, is it? Give to everyone who asks of you. Uh, what did, um, I think it was Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus. What can you give someone in the name of Jesus? Right? You can give them love. You can pray for, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about your situation. I don't have any money. I can't help you there, but I can pray for you. I know a God who has unlimited resources and he can help you see it's about risk isn't it we can protect ourselves we can stay in our own little world but c.s lewis admonishes us that our heart will die there it'll be protected but it'll die in order to fulfill this command we have to step out of our comfort zone don't we we might have to actually get involved with someone in need. Jesus did it all the time. Didn't he? He met the woman at the well. Struck up a conversation. Allow God to give you those conversations that lead to life for someone that needs it badly. We, we sometimes forget, because of the grace of God with us, we forget what we were and where we came from, and how many people are still there. It's easy, isn't it, to get comfortable in the, in the gracious love of God we, we enjoy so much. And, to remember, and we must remember there are those who aren't swimming in that love. All they know is pain. All they know is suffering. You can be Jesus to them. Look at them like he looks at them. He, he said, you know, he looked on the children of Israel and he wept. He had compassion for their need. He looked at a heart that seeks the one, even when the 99 are doing well. Be merciful. In Luke chapter 6, in verse 36, it says, Be merciful. 
as God is to you. It's a command to be merciful. And in Luke chapter 10, it says a story of the Good Samaritan. See, Jesus was asking a question, answering a question with a story. And he said to the Samaritan, I mean to the the person that was asking the question, he said, there was a Samaritan, and this is a story. Because the Samaritans, Jews didn't like the Samaritans. They were kind of, in their mind, a second-class citizen. So it was kind of insulting that he used him as the example. And he said, there was this man, he'd been beaten and laying in the street and robbed of everything. He's He's bloody. And the priest goes by, makes a big path around him. Oh, boy. And, and, you know, he was a priest. If he got blood on him, he, w- he would not be able to perform his duties for like seven days, right? And then there's the, the Levite, who is actually paid to be a servant of God. And he gave him a wide berth, too. He walked all the way around. But he said the Samaritan looked at him, bandaged his wounds, put him on his own horse, walked when he could have been riding, took him to the nearest place, said, here, I've done what I can, you keep helping him, and if he needs anything else, I'll get it when I get back. Which one showed him love? The Samaritan. He said, go and do likewise. Church, that's our, that's our command. Go and do likewise. Don't walk around. Don't say, I don't have time. Don't say, it's, it's not my ministry. <laughs> don't say, um, yes, but it's really inconvenient right now, Lord. I don't, you know, you know what I'm doing. I got to do this. See, that it was actually the Levites paid job to be a servant of the Lord. And he walked around. Make time for Jesus. Because the other story that he gives in Matthew chapter 25 was, I was hungry and he gave me food. I was thirsty and he gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous said, when did we see you, Lord? When did we see you? He said, whenever you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Where do we see Jesus? I I saw Jesus. He was dying of AIDS in a hut, sweltering. I saw him. I brought him something to eat. I saw him. He was a little child, an orphan. I saw him. I saw him. He was a young girl wanting to commit suicide. I saw him. Where do we see Jesus? Do we see him, people? That's what he's called us to. This is his word. 
This is, he's discipling us here. Be merciful as I've been to you. How much mercy has God given you? Abundant grace. Abundant mercy. Don't take the titles of master or father. Matthew 23, verse 8 through 10. He says, Call no man on earth your father, for there's one who's your father, which is in heaven. You see, we like the titles. People like titles. You hear this, I'm the prophet so-and-so, I'm the father so-and-so, I'm the rabbi so-and-so. Jesus said, don't take titles for yourself. Why? Why do you think he said that? Hmm? Yes. Because we have one God. We have one head. We talked about it this morning. Who's the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church. Amen? We're all in submission to him. He is, he is the master. He's the father. He's the greatest. But he said, who would be greatest among you? This is why. Let him be your servant. Servants don't need titles. They don't fit well with their office. Being the very son of God, he humbled himself and became a man. And being the very son of God, he humbled himself even further and became the servant of all men. So, there's more to this. It's an, it's an admonition to servanthood, isn't it? He's telling us, I'm modeling this before you. I'm showing you what it's like. Do likewise. Beware of false prophets. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. We're to have discernment because there are false prophets everywhere. We see, I see a lot of this in the valley. There's a lot of people following uh, vain philosophies, false prophets, uh, outright deception. We have to have discernment. And we, we have to understand the spiritual nature of people's bondages. That we have to take authority over principalities and powers. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And we have to have the discernment between who's a hireling and who's a shepherd. Amen? Who's just in it for the money and who's in it for Jesus? Proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom to the lost. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, he said to his disciples, Go and say, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse leopards, cast out demons. You received without paying and give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey. No 
or two tunics, sandals, or staff, the laborer deserves his food. Quite a contrast to some of the prosperity gospel we see. This is a command, isn't it? It's quite a contrast. See, the gospel is free. You received it free, didn't you? So give it away free. Amen? We can't be charging for the gospel. It's not about uh, money, wealth, or power. It's about Jesus. It's about the love of Christ. Don't forget, as you're going, that we need to remember the children. Amen? In Mark 19, verse 35, Jesus said, There were, there were these children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. But his disciples rebuked them and said, send them away. But Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. And whatever we do, we need to consider the children, is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, and not only that, we need to become like them, don't we? In our trust, in our faith. Can, can any of you remember far enough back to where you weren't worried about your tax return or any of these other things, but is this how much sand you could get into a bucket, right? Yeah? And make a castle out of it? That, that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, we have a Father who's taking care of that stuff. Let us be like them. Let's not worry. He'll take care of it. may not work out the way you want, but He will take care of it. And that's the heart that we have to have, but we also have to have the, a heart that recognizes the value that Jesus places on children as well. There are people in their own right. We must remember them, consider them, and, and give them love like Jesus does. He says, such belongs the kingdom of God. And if you're not like a little child, you'll never even see the kingdom. We have to have that childlike faith. Let them ever be an example. I love to see them playing, not worried about a single thing. <laughs> because really, that's it's a reminder to me always that that's how I'm supposed to be. In, in Luke chapter 9, verse 45 through 50, um, uh, they were talking about these other believers who are casting out demons in Jesus' name. And, and John said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he doesn't follow with us. Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. We, as the, the people of God and as a church, we need to recognize that there is one body, one God, one faith, one baptism, one Father overall. Amen? That we need to remind ourselves that it, we're part of a bigger body and we need to discern the body of Christ. That's another whole sermon that I'm working on now that the Lord has given me. But we need to be discerning of the body of Christ. And we're not to be in opposition because we may have a different expression. You see, to some, Jesus, they see Jesus as 
the one with the child on his lap. That's an expression of the character of Christ, isn't it? But he was also very vocal, wasn't he? Challenging sin, another expression. We are to express Jesus corporately. Therefore, we do not oppose one another as we do that. Amen? If we were all the same, how boring would that be? God makes us diverse so that we can express him together in unity. I'm really coming to a close. I know it's hard to believe. A couple more scriptures. The, the, the setting is that Jesus is with his disciples and he takes and he wraps a robe around or a towel around himself and he begins to wash their feet. And they don't have an idea what he's doing. <laughs> and he says, you see what I've done to you? He says, you call me Lord and teacher and you're right, I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, how much more should you wash one another's? You see, he shows us modeling that behavior in front of us, what true servanthood is. Amen? True servanthood. Knowing that he was the almighty God who... When we, we build a telescope, we can't even see the ends of what he does. That's him. Knowing he was that, he humbled himself to be a man. And then he humbled himself and got down on his knees. And he washed our feet. He said, wash one another's feet. I'm showing you how to be a servant You're to do this to one another. You're to serve one another like that. I'm your Lord and Master. If I can do it, you can do it. Amen? And let the greatest among you be that one who is servant of all. Truly I say, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. If you know these things... Blessed are you if you do them. You see, it's, it's not just about knowing. We've all heard this scripture many times. It's about doing. Amen? It's about being that servant, isn't it? When we do so, we say to Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I want to be just like you. Amen? We have a child that loves us. They mimic our behavior, don't they? It's so cute. My son will wear, put on his little, you know, when I was working on the house, he'd put on his little hammer and nails to bag and come and hammer. Because he loved me. We love our Father. We come and we say, Jesus, I love you in worship. He's saying, if you love me, you'll... Humble yourself like I did. You'll be a servant to everyone. Nothing is below you. The toilet needs clean. I'm cleaning it. Amen? 
whatever. If I can do it, your master. And look where I came from. I created everything you see. I'm the Lord of the universe. (laughs) And I can do it. He tells us to be ready. In Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 40, it says, Stay dressed for action. Remember, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes, he wants us to find us doing these things. Amen? Not just doing anything, right? We're not just doing anything, people, right? We are doing these things because we're preparing for the bridegroom to come back and be with the bride, aren't we? We're to stay dressed and ready, not we're to be prepared. We're to start to do the things that he said to us to do, not just leaving them in the book. Amen? Putting them, putting them to practice in life right now, today, October 11th, 2015. We begin to be discipled by Jesus. He said, you must be ready for the sin of man is coming in an hour you don't expect. So we, all, we need to be continually ready. In other words, there's not a time where we, uh, on these things, where we lay, lay back and let our hair down. We stay dressed. We stay ready. We are preparing ourselves as the bride of Christ, as the bridegroom approaches. In Matthew Chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. He says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So as I am presenting these, you are teachers. Right? You're all teachers of the commands that he's given us. That's discipling people, isn't it? What is discipling people? It's teaching them to observe these commands that we've seen about how our Father relates to us and we to him, Son of God. And we also have those that are about how we relate to one another. Jesus modeled them perfectly as a son of man. And we are to teach others, discipling them, to obey and to do these commands. Because if you do them, you'll, the result will be, who are you going to become like? Jesus. And this is the love of God that we obey His command. This is the love. He's saying, if you love me, you'll do these commands. And this love that I have is not transactional love. It is divine love. You see, your love has an end, doesn't it? You get worn out, you get tired, you get irritable, and your love comes to an end. God's love has no end. It's as vast as any ocean and vaster. 
There is no measurement of it. You'll never run out. You can give it away forever, and God will give you more. Amen? Keep giving it away. Keep giving it away. He is with us always to the end of the age. Remember, everything hangs on these two commands. Love the Lord. Love your fellow man. Go and do likewise. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, we know that we are without hope to accomplish all that you've called us to in our own strength. But thank you, God, that we don't have to depend on our own strength. Father, we, we throw ourselves upon your mercy, Lord. For those of us, Lord, who you've loved us even when we were unlovely, we're grateful, God, that you saw not what we were, but what you could make us. So God, we give you the glory for all that you've done and all that you will do through your body. God, help us to be discerning of your body, knowing we are but a part. And we are there to glorify you. In Jesus' name.